True Connections is a journey within to discover that you are part of everything. Life can often feel disjointed, but you and I are actually connected to one another, to nature, to animals, and many other ways like your thoughts, intentions, dreams, even your imagination. It's my desire to bring spiritual insight to these true connections so that you can get into the flow of life, receive the things that you want without struggle, and enjoy a more constant level of happiness. I am Weston Jolly, your host. Thank you again for joining me. Today's topic is 15 Things Death and the Dying Can Teach Us About Life. Today we're going to be talking with Robert, a very close friend of mine who I've known for at least 15 years, probably 20 And I thought it would be great to just jump right into the interview and hear um, his observations about facing death with a terminal illness that he was told he was going to die. Robert, I wanted to thank you for joining us today. And um, I know that you, I've known you for obviously a very long time, and I obviously went through um, a process with you as as being a good friend for many, many years of watching you face a life-threatening um, problem. And I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind kind of giving us a very quick synopsis of uh, what happened and uh, maybe a little bit of an introduction of uh, how you dealt. Sure. Um, so I'm not even sure of the year, but, but it was six years ago. And... Um, we're living down in Mexico, and we went up to the States for a checkup. And in the checkup, um, we noticed a, uh, looked like a little roll of dimes on the side of my neck, which turned out to be a secondary tumor. And I had a, uh, the, the main tumor was on the back of my tongue down into my throat. And the very first so I got referred to the uh, ear, nose, and throat guy, and first thing he told me was, man, what, what took you so long? You're going to die. And I thought, wow, that's, that's what you mean I'm going to die. He goes, no, you know, you're late stage four. You're, you're not going you're, to, you're done. And I'm like, whoa. Now, that was tough. And so, you know, he, he didn't say anything other basically than that. And... We, I, I got in the car with my wife, and we were driving, and I was crying, and I was like, geez, I, I, I'm not going to put you through this. I've seen what happens with people having cancer. And about that time, we get a phone call, and the guy says, oh, you know what? There is a possibility that you have HPV, and, and HPV is human papillomavirus, and it is possibly curable. It was something like, you know, there's a 60% chance of making it if you make it through the, the whole process, of which about, you know, 85% don't make it at your age. And I'm like, oh, great. But at least I had a chance. So we went in. Got, I got the biopsy. I did have HPV. And immediately we, we went into, you know, I got a, uh, a port put in for the chemo and for uh, – Water in me, basically. Um, I'm not sure how I'm saying that. Um, but you, you, my throat was closing up, and I wasn't going to be able to eat for a long time. So, and then they put a feeding tube on my stomach, and so that was the beginning of, of tough. Because when they drilled into my stomach for the feeding tube, I, 
I had a big reaction, and then they started me on chemo. I had a reaction, and the reaction on the chemo was I thought everybody was trying to kill me. And so things were getting dark, and my poor wife, she was she was probably really struggling with that. Jill was probably really having a hard time. Um, and so now I'm in the process. We're, you know, renting some little house over in San Diego, and we're going through this process that's going to take basically three months. But it turns out that it's really a six-month process because after they're done with the 35 radiations, they don't tell you this, but you get worse. You get worse for like three more months, and then you finally start to recover. So at the beginning, I was walking four miles. At the end, by the end, I went from 155 pounds to 125 pounds, and I couldn't walk 100 meters. I was, I was and all of my friends thought I was done. Everybody, everybody thought I wasn't going to make it, but really, that was just the bottom. Let me interrupt you real quick, um, Robert, because I know you personally, and I want to share this with everybody else, that you're extremely athletic. Um, no one yet knows how old you are, so maybe you could inform us of uh, two things. One, a little bit about your athleticism, and also give us an idea of what your age as was at that time. Okay. At the time, I was 59 years old. Okay. Um I, we were living down on the beach in Mexico. There's, there's worse places, believe me. And uh, I was surfing basically uh, 120 to 150 days a year. Um, I've, I've always been athletic. I, you know, I played football in high school. But I, I, what I really loved to do was I skied, I rock climbed. And I've been surfing since I was 11 years old. Okay, so here's here's my thought, uh, Robert. You have obviously a mindset that is um, somewhat predisposed based upon all of these activities that you've done previous to this quote unquote event. How do any of those things compare to what would be described as uh, going into this going through this process? Well, no, nothing's even close. If you you know, if you're if you're surfing a big wave and you get held down and you think you're going to drown, guess what? You don't. But to get held down for six months, <laughs> you know, that's 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 rough because it it's it's beyond rough. Um, I, you know, just real quick, you have to be sitting up the whole time. You don't get to eat for six months. You're fed through a feeding tube in your stomach. You have to go five days a week to get a saline uh, uh, put in your body so you don't, uh, you know, dehydrate. Um, but it was like the chemo, and then the radiation just slowly wears you down, and you just lose all of your, you lose all your willpower to live. Anybody that's gone through this or been around people that have gone through it, they know it, it's, it's, you know, the radiation just, wears you down and I hated the, the chemo was it, it made me crazy every time. It was it was the worst. So Robert, how was it that you were able to um create a focus or a choice that enabled you to go forward at least to get through the process? Well, thank God for uh Jill, my wife, who who, you know, was my caregiver. A bunch of my friends and one of my friends I hadn't seen him in 
20 years. He took me to, to the radiation treatment like three days a week, four days a week, and he lived 25 miles away. I mean, that, that really helps, just knowing that you have the support. Um, but, it, you know, it just was really, really tough because you don't do anything. You know, you're just laying, you're sitting up in bed. I don't have enough strength to do anything. And, you know, I'm, I'm an athlete. I love doing, I love, I like going out and being scared. You know, like you go surf a big wave, you get scared. You go rock climbing, you get scared a lot. Um, you, you know, you, you go down, you, you climb up and ski down a steep mountain. They're scary, but they're wonderful scary. Not like this, that you're scary, that you're actually losing your will to live. Was that something that you felt like you had to fight, or was that something uh, um, that was challenged, even some of what I would call your beliefs or your uh, uh, your aspects of spirituality? Mm, you know, at one point, I I gave up. I gave up. I don't know at what point it was. I was sitting in bed. I was extremely depressed. I'm and I, I was. I think I was at my lowest of my low. And this trippy and, and wonderful thing happened. I felt, and, and I'm not an angel person. Okay, I just, I, I maybe they are, maybe they are, and I don't know. But I felt this this purple presence come over me and spread wings, and in, and how would you say engulf me and comfort me? Okay, and it. That point, I knew I was going to make it. Right at that point, I knew I was going to make it. Did you? Is it something you just felt, or you you saw and heard from, or how? Did you no, I didn't hear it. I felt it and I saw it. Robert, can I say something? Sure. I remember um, when you first got diagnosed. I also remember um, you created a video and put it up on, on Facebook, something to the fact that you were looking forward to the challenge. Yeah, that's before you get into it, you know. You, you don't know what you're getting in. You think you're, you're tough, right? You're, you know, you're a, you're a tough guy. I'm a, I'm a tough construction worker guy, I'm, you know. And then all of a sudden you realize that this is... This is way more difficult than you think it's going to be. First of all, they tell you you think you're going to die, so you and you're thinking, "Wow, that's that's not fair." You know, I've still got a lot of life left in me, right? And then they say, "Well, maybe you won't." And then you're then you're going through this, and you're you know you're not in the comfort of your own home. You're in this little rental thing that we're in that that was pretty ridiculous because. You know, they can't treat us down in Mexico, or they can, but not where we live. So it was just like, it was alien in a way. And But so many people came to my rescue, you know. I mean, the, the chemotherapy made me crazy, and I asked a person, uh, a good friend, if he could uh, make me something, if we could try the marijuana. If, see if that would work, and that worked wonderfully. I, that that really helped okay. the whole situation. Um, but that, how would I say? You know, so some people are claustrophobic. I'm one of them. 
when you go in and get the radiation on your neck, they put you in this little cage on your head and they pin you down. And that's how you get it. And it's only for 10 minutes. But you're still pinned down. You're, you're, it, it, it's not fun, you know. I bet. I don't know if you, but yeah, if you're if you're claustrophobic, it's like the worst thing. Give me a hype, you know. Make me stand on top of something tall. I'm okay. Don't don't do that to me. Being told that you're going to die, um, uh, how did did that change your perspective or? Again, any of your belief systems or any of um, your thoughts at the time? No, no, that part that part was okay because I really believe that when you die, you, you know, it's just your body dying. So that's you know, I'm I'm not necessarily a uh, any kind of a Christian belief, but that part I was okay. What I didn't want to do was was uh, leave Jill. You know, and, and I and I just had a, a whole bunch of more living to do. I had more waves to ride. I had, you know, I I had just I didn't know where we were going to end up, but you know, it's turned out to be a good. Everything's turned out to be wonderful afterwards. Robert, how long has it been before. since um, you were diagnosed and um, have been cancer free? They gave me cancer free. Five years ago, I could get, you know, I got to go get checked every year. Okay. Um, but it's been six years since I was diagnosed, six years and probably four months. And, uh, yeah, the, you know, you just can't, can't hardly explain what it's like to go through that and be immobile and, you know, believing or not believing that I was going to be okay on the, in the physical, I didn't know. Right. But I knew that I'd be all right. I just wasn't ready to go. That's all. You described a, an old friend who, um, I won't say came to the rescue, but certainly participated in, the, in a, um, a huge way. And sometimes those contributions are very, very challenging to describe. And what I mean by that is not just someone's driving and driving you to and fro. It's um, it's a support, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's so funny because I had friends that are close friends that couldn't even be around me because they thought I was going to die. Wow. And then I had these friends from... This one guy was an old ski buddy from 20 years ago. He came and did all what I said. And then this... This woman that I that I used to climb with, she came and did, you know, took me a lot of times. My old boss, you know, everybody that chipped in, and 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 people would come and uh, bring food for Jill. I mean, I wasn't eating, but but then she wouldn't have to cook, and and you know, people would come and she'd have somebody's shoulder to cry on because it was it was harder for her than it was for me, I think. You know, I, in in some ways it was. Well, I I think that's a really interesting point that you bring up because there's an undue amount of attention for the person who's going through it, and that's very appropriate. Um, and yet, it is very challenging to be um, the spouse or the uh, the closest of friends to watch someone go through it. And Robert, you said something that's actually pretty common. Um, 
in the idea that there are people that you may have thought that would be there to offer support, um, and then there's always these um, unexpected people, that, and sometimes we know them and sometimes we don't. Um, I'm speaking of the professional people that, in my opinion, go way beyond their jobs to, to literally um, create a physical connection to help us uh, to do something that maybe we didn't think that we could do. Yeah, uh, you know, and and I get it because I remember, and, and I still feel bad about this. When I was young, I was probably 16 years old, and my next-door neighbor got leukemia, and she died very quickly. She was, she was the same age as me, and I couldn't go visit her. I just couldn't. I went one time, and I just couldn't go back. So I understood that I had a couple of good friends that just couldn't do it. I, I got that, and, and, and it hurt. I, I can't say it didn't hurt, but um, I can say I understood it because I had, I had been the same way at one point. Do you think that that perspective has changed now? Um, you, you know, I would glad. Oh, I, <laughs> it's kind of fun you say that. I have two friends with terminal cancer right now, and, you know, one guy is just, one of the nicest. Uh, excuse me. It's one of the nicest people I've ever met. It's okay. And and he's he's on very limited time on this earth. And and you go, God, it's not fair. I mean, he's just the nicest person. Why would it? Why would something like that happen to him? And so quickly. I mean, he, he was diagnosed less than six months ago, and. And there, there's no cure, you know. So yeah, no, my giving of my uh, my support, absolutely, you know. And, and I have another friend, same thing. He's got lung cancer that turned into brain cancer, and giving him my support too, of which maybe I couldn't have done before. But now I'm like the old veteran, the guy that made it, you know. It's part of why I wanted to bring you uh, onto this dialogue with us about. Uh, talking about the challenges when we face from mortality. Um, and, of course, with a disease of this kind, um, well, in the beginning that wasn't true at all. You were told that, that you were literally going to die. Um, sometimes death isn't like that. What I mean by that is we we don't have months or weeks to uh, make the adjustment. It's just something that's happening sometimes in minutes, if that long. And yet the... Uh, Having the time and even addressing the alternatives, um, at least in terms of t- today's technology from a medical perspective, I'm certain uh, 20 years from now, certainly 100 years from now, will be considered um, as barbaric as it could possibly be. And I'm only saying that because we can look back and see uh, retrospectively how much technology has changed and how much our procedures have changed and um, helping people who um, are facing these kinds of scenarios. But all of that set aside, it's interesting how it really just comes down to um, feeling the support and the, the love of those around you and um, and really embracing that. Yes, it, 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 I mean, you wouldn't make it otherwise. If I would have been by myself, if I wouldn't have had the support I had, I wouldn't have made it. No way. There's no way. I barely made it as it was. But it sounds like your um, your lifestyle is um, 
well, healthy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, like you're doing no, some, it, you're doing it, some it, extraordinary things, and I. Well, you know, it. I, I get this a lot because I, I surf when I when I do get to surf the wave. I surf is a really good wave, and people travel from all over to go surf this wave. And I hear it all the time, man. I hope I can make it. I, I hope I'm still surfing like you are now when I'm that age. And these guys are guys that surf way better than me. You know, they're they're real good surfers, but somehow I'm inspiring them just with my longevity. And, you know, what's kind of nice as you, as you mature is maybe you don't need to catch quite as many waves and you don't need to surf them in a radical fashion. You're maybe a little smoother. And, uh, and you know what the best part is? If I'm having more fun than I think I've ever had before on a surfboard. That part is really cool. Incredible. Yeah. Robert, I know that you know this, and I, I want to share it um, with everybody, but not only are you someone that I've worked with and your wife for, God, long, how long has it been now? <laughs> um, but I also uh, consider you a, a very, very dear friend, not just of mine, but of my whole family. And um, I remember you coming to our Hawaii retreat, and having this issue, and at that point it had not been formally diagnosed, and um, of, of course I knew that there was a lot of fear than in just getting the testing done because you know you don't know, and and sometimes when we know that something's kind of wrong, we don't necessarily want to go uh, jumping in, and yet um, you addressed that and you shared with us very beautifully your story, and I just want to let you know on a very personal note that. And the reason I wanted you to be a part of this is because you're deeply inspiring, Robert, not just for having endured something or got through something. Um, I think that's that's a different kind of scenario. Um, in my perspective, Robert, you're a champion. And what I mean by that is not to just get to the other side, but to also further declare that uh, life isn't going to be leveled out or this is not something that's going to continue taking you down. Your dreams and your aspirations uh, continue to be quite strong. And that's why I wanted you to share that your two-week surfing uh, trip about to take place next week is huge um, based upon having uh, addressed a, a life-threatening illness that you were told that you were going to die and suddenly you find yourself on the other side. And I think that's really important to people, anyone who's who has or maybe is even in the process of this part of discovering themselves because I think that we can find that there's there's parts of us or depths of us that go beyond our physical uh, ability to comprehend. And, Robert, you've done that, and I watched you do that through this process, you and your family. And I just want to let you know that you have touched me, and that's always going to be the case. Um, But I wanted that to be shared, too, for those who are listening, to let them also uh, feel that within you, because I think it's it's not just kind of inspiring. It's just life-altering. Yeah. Robert, again, I just wanted to thank you so much for your contribution. I'm glad that we were able to uh, catch you before your surfing trip, and we we hope that you have a uh, wonderful time next week. Yeah, wish me luck. I, I I just hope this thing works as good as I hope it is. Last year I went to Indonesia. Robert, thank you All right. so much. Thank you for joining me for 15 Things Death and the Dying Can Teach Us About Life. This is part two. We will begin going through a comprehensive list of the 15 things, beginning with our next podcast. But until then, 
Give yourself opportunity to really, really focus on those things that are being highlighted to you. What patterns do you observe? What things are you seeing that you could learn from these individuals as they talk about their experiences in facing mortality? For us to make true connections, we have to engage. I really want to hear your comments, so please leave a review at westonjolly.com forward slash review, or go to iTunes and give me your thoughts there. This helps our connection, and it's a tremendous help to others, too. Everything we do is designed to offer you a deeper spiritual connection within. You can also make a personal appointment with me, Weston Jolly, right now by going to westonjolly.com. Also, check out my current events, books, and other products, also my free newsletter, Thank you for joining me, Weston Jolly, for my podcast, True Connections.